Welcome to Advantage Over, the only global rugby podcast to help you become a better referee. Your host today is Keith Lewis. Are you ready? Time on. Hello, it's Keith here and welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. Um, I've got a bit of a bonus episode for you today where I'm going to walk through the various law changes that have taken effect from today, the 1st of July 2022. Um, Just to explain a little bit about the uh, law review process, so World Rugby operates on a four-year cycle um, where there's various um, open trials, closed trials, conversations around player welfare and uh, talking to various stakeholders around the game to see whether anything needs to change from a law perspective. That's over a four-year cycle. Um, and then in the year before a World Cup, that cycle ends um, and there are no further law changes between so this date, so the 1st of July, and in this case, next October, um, when it comes to the uh, Rugby World Cup 2023. So some of the changes that have taken effect from today um, are ones that most of us will have been refereeing for the last at least year. Um, so there was a whole bunch of global law trials that were introduced to the whole game in 2021. Um, and the, I guess the positive news um, from that perspective is that all five of those global law trials um, have now become full law. So in essence, there's nothing new there. Um, so for anyone, any of you who has been refereeing for the last um, 12 months at least, um, the goal line dropout, the 50-22 and a, uh, an attacking side kicking from their own half kicks into the 22, um, indirectly goes into touch but um, without touching another player they get the line out so that's known as the 50-22. Um, we've had the sort of protection for the um, jackler so when the jackler goes in they can't be levered out or they can, a player can't target the lower limbs of that jackler so jackler protection um, and then also two things around the sort of open play pod formation where you can only have one latcher attached to a tackler but that latcher has to remain on their feet um, and also the outlawing of the uh, open play sort of flying wedge type of action where you've got two or three players uh, at least three players um, forming up before they make contact with the opposition so those five things have been on a global law trial basis for the last 12 months uh, they were all accepted by World Rugby Council into full law. Um, so no change to them with one minor exception to it and some extra elements of the goal line dropout play that I'll go through in um, the course of this podcast. So those five um, global law trials, if you referee them last season, referee them this season or next season, depending on where you are in the world, um, and, and they carry on. Um, as part of, of sort of the last four-year cycle, there's been four other th- uh, two other new global law trials that come into effect from now. Um, and operate for the whole of the global game. Um, one is around um, the scrum um, and the stability of, of that. There was some, some feedback went into World Rugby from um, the professional players um, and to some extent community players that there were still issues with what's known as axial loading um, where the pressures in as the scrum, form, scrum forms and heads, the hooker and the props um, heads are on the on their opposite numbers, either shoulders or also heads and things like that, the pressures at play there are still causing um, player welfare concerns. So the, it was trialled in the Six Nations, uh, men's, women's and under-20s in 2022. Um, that was a successful trial. And the, introdu- the trial in that closed environment was called the breakfoot. So the hooker all the way through the crouch and bind process has to have a foot forward to keep those pressures um, off the head. Um, so that was successfully trialled in Six Nations and World Rugby have made that um, a global law trial for all levels of the game. So we'll all be operating under that basis for the coming seasons, or from here on at least. 
Um, and also the second global law trial is around water carriers and the technical zone. I'll go into that in a little bit more detail um, in a few minutes. So all five global law trials from 2021, full law. Two new global law trials for us to, to consider, one around Breakfoot, one around water carriers and the technical zone. Um, and then there's a number of other things that World Rugby have just tweaked and changed as a result of the sort of regular questions that go into World Rugby, the formal clarifications that you may have seen come out um, during the course of the last four years. Some of the, if this had to be a clarification, I think the uh, World Rugby has said, look, well, if it needs to be clarified, well, let's make it clearer. So there's some changes to law as a result of those clarifications, so that those clarifications are now clearly um, say what they were, what the answers to those questions were. Um, there was also some... Um, what they're referring to as minor amends, which are as a result of either referees, uh, the referee community on po posing questions and just saying, well, this is what the law says. Is there anything we need to change there? Um, or from player representatives have come up. There's a few um, in there and, and they're really minor, um, but they are, it is an amend to law. So I'm just going to talk through what each of those ones are. Um, and saying that this is, is, it is part of the law, um, the television match official protocol, the TMO protocol, um, was last updated in 2019. There's been a specialist group looking at that, um, and there has been an updated protocol, so I'll just touch on that as well. So there's going to be quite a bit of detail there, but hopefully um, that will all this will all make sense as we go through. Um, so let's just touch on Breakfoot. So I'm going to cover the two global law trials first, and then we'll look at the, the minor clarifications. So at the scrum engagement, there's now two new elements into law 1910C about the crouch phase um, when a hooker when, when the the call of crouch um, and the call of bind is there the hooker must have a break foot positioned in a forward position to help stability and to avoid axial loading so really we're looking at that both of those hookers having a foot forward just to keep the pressures off the heads and necks um, there is a sanction for that not happening and that's a free kick um, but that um, needs to be in play. There are some good clips and some good pictures that have been seen through there, so please do hunt those out, and we'll put the links in the show notes and on the article that goes with the podcast. Um, so the, on the call of set, um, only then must the hooker remove the break foot so that both hookers' feet come back. Then the hooking the hooking hooker can then strike again when the, when the ball comes in. So again, that break foot must be in place. And why is it there? It's to keep the pressures off heads and necks. Now, for most of us listening to the podcast in the community game, um, that's how we operate anyway. Generally speaking, the hookers will have the a foot forward to keep that sort of hold on and keep the break on the on the scrum before engagement. So I don't think we're expecting to see a great deal of difference there. Obviously, as we get as you're into the elite state state of the game, um, hookers are have much more uh, much more skilled, much more core strength, um, and are capable of doing that. But from a safety perspective, on head and neck, um, that foot must be forward. So that's the break foot. Um, I hope that makes sense. If you've got any questions on that, please do let us know. Um, just just to be um, just to make sure that you've got it clear in your mind. Have a look at the rugby over the summer and and see that um, position going in. So the second global law trial is around water carriers and medics. Um, and what's what's led to this? I think anyone who's watched a game of rugby either um, live, um, at, particularly at international and elite level, um, either live or on television, um, every time there's a stoppage for whatever reason, um, hundreds of water carriers seem to flow onto, flow onto the pitch um, to distribute water. Um, it causes a disruption to the game. Sometimes those water carriers get in the way. They do things they're not supposed to. They interfere with the ball. Um, and it's just a general cause of some concern over the years. And there's been a number of examples 
um, when the, a particular working group was set up to look at it and when they, they found a number of examples where um, water carriers and, and medics were doing things that they really shouldn't have been doing. So when they've looked at the research and there's also there's a part of the medical um, team um, have looked into um, whether there is a need for that much water to be taken by, by players and all the evidence that was gathered um, suggested that just wasn't the case. So at the elite level, um, there's going to be some particular changes to when water carriers can come onto the field. Now, the way that the, the, the law trial has been worded is that there, there are going to be um, twice per half breaks at natural stoppages, but that's only for rugby where there's a 23 size squad in place. So generally speaking, that's international or elite level. Um, because the problems that we see about water carriers are at that level, not at the games that most of us are refereeing at. So let me just go through the, the different elements to, to what's in, in play. So for everybody, um, reducing water carriers in, um, in total, so there can only be two water carriers per team. Um, they cannot be a head coach or a director of rugby. Um, water carriers need to stay in their technical zone. Um, so if they're just a water carrier, there is no need for them to be on the other side of the pitch. There's no need for them to be behind the, the post. They need to be in the technical zone. And the technical zone has now been um, put into the law book. Um, it was always there in the in the ground section, um, but it was never actually formally recognised. That is now in there. Um, so water carriers in the technical zone. Um, and this is where we get, this is what I'm going to say now is only for the elite end of the game. So in that 23-man person squad-sized rugby there will be two breaks during a half um, when a when when the water carriers can come onto the field. Um, so if there is a try, if there's a TMO intervention, if there's an injury, um, we're going to use those sort of natural stoppage points um, in each half to, to get water on. So only two per half. If you're operating in a hot country where there's the hot weather protocol in play, um, that's sort of, I think it's over 30 degrees centigrade. If it's rugby played in that sort of temperatures, then there can be a third one, a third stoppage. Um, so what can water carriers do? They can only bring water. Um, they can they can pass on messages to players, but they shouldn't be speaking to match officials. Uh, medics, if there's a medic in play, they can speak to match officials. Um, and just to say, medics can be can roam. So you can have a, a medic on either one on either side of the pitch, and they can follow play um, up and down. The medics don't have to be in the technical zone. Um, but if they come on. They can only speak to a match official about something that's related to the medical welfare of a player that they're treating. Um, they can bring a water bottle on to the player that they're treating. Um, if a tea carrier comes on, um, they can bring water, but only for the kicker. Um, and at all other times, um, water can be accessed either behind the uh, dead ball line um, or in the technical zone at any point. So if there is a try that if you're if you've just had a try scored against you, you can get water from behind your own dead ball line. Um, you can always go if if you're a, if you're the try scoring side, you then need to go to the technical area. But those are for that's really just for the elite end of the game. For everybody else, a water carrier can still come on at a try at an injury um, to give water to the players if there's a dead, if there's a dead time there. Um, so just just to to be clear. Um, the, the, the restricted specified water breaks um, are only in the elite level game. At all of the points a water carrier can come on if there's a try, if there's a if there's an injury um, and things like that. So not for most of us listening, those specified breaks um, won't impact how we operate. Um, and for the first time in, in rugby, I think, um, 
There is now a sanction being introduced if a water carrier or a medic interferes with the live ball um, or prevents a, a, a quick throw, for example, um, they can be sanctioned with a penalty kick at the point of restart. So that's that's new, um, and hopefully that will focus minds for those water carriers for getting involved, for stopping that quick throw by touching it. Because of course you know that um, if there is if the if a quick throw has been touched by someone other than the collector, um, then you can't have a quick throw. Um, and we we have seen examples of water carriers um, deliberately touching the ball so that the quick throw is removed. And there's a, actually there's a good example of that on the World Rugby website. Um, so if you want to hunt that one out, it was in the um, I think it was a Gloucester game in the in the Gallagher Premiership. So there's a, a good example there where that would now be a penalty at the point of restart. There was really no other sanction for um, a player that did that um, outside of that. So that's water carriers again. Another global law trial. Interesting to see how that one plays out um, at all levels of the game. So those are the two global law trials that we've covered. Um, the other areas um, are minor additions or tweaks to law um, as a result of formal clarifications that have gone into World Rugby. You may have been, you may be familiar with some of those um, as I talk about them. They might become familiar again. Um, but where there's been a formal clarification that has able to have been put into law, then that has now been been added. So. Um, there was a question from New Zealand rugby um, at one point during the last couple of years where it wasn't they wanted formal clarification about when the approach to kick at a conversion was because um, we all know that some players might take a step to the side, a step backwards, um, and there was a question well if you're stepping back you're not approaching the ball. The formal clarification at that particular point was that any movement by the from the feet of the kicker um, was the part of their approach to um, the game so just flicking my papers to get the wording right um, um, so now the law reads that um, it's law 8.14 um, has been amended to read that all opposing players retire to their goal line and do not overstep that line until the kicker moves in any direction to begin their approach to kick um, so that's the signal so once the um, the, the kicker's feet move in any direction, that's part of their approach to kick and therefore a charge can be made. So that's the first one. Um, the second one is Law 9. So 9.11 has an extra addition. There's been a couple of questions um, in the last few years about jumping into or over a tackler. Um, the clarifications at the time whether that was not allowed um, because it's not safe to do so. Um, so that has now been added into the foul play law. So Law 9.11 now reads that players must not do anything that is reckless or dangerous to others, including leading with the elbow or forearm, or jumping into or over a tackler. So hopefully that one is now crystal clear. Um, the next one is Law 15, which is Ruck. Um, there was a question earlier in 2022 about um, when is a ball out of a Ruck, um, and when can a player dive onto it. Um, so now the word near has been added, and near is in law as being within a metre, um, so that has now been added into the Rook law that now says that a, a player um, can uh, the players must not fall onto or over the emerging ball while it is on the ground near to a Rook. So that's where we get the meter um, elements as near equals a meter in, in rugby law perspective. So that's that one. Um, law 16 relates to the mall. Now, a number of years ago, there was a law application guideline where the long arm transfer and the, the issue of a player in a more line out was um, introduced that players can't slide backwards in a more um, 
that was actually never introduced into the proper law book. It was a law application guideline and everyone's been referring it since then. Um, but that has now been added into 16.2 and 16.10. Um, so that's where that's been added in. Um, and the final clarification that was in one of the um, clarifications at the start of 2022 again was just to make clear in the in-goal law, so law 21, 16, when goal line dropout law was, was added, um, 21, 16 said that if a ball is held up in in-goal, a restart was with a goal line dropout, which is true if the attackers put it into in-goal. Um, but it didn't sort of reference that if the defence put it into in-goal and it's then held up, a five-metre scrum is, as always, um, the correct restart. There, so that has now been added in just for clarity. Because if anyone just read Law 2116 on its own without referencing the other areas of the law book, then um, they would have come up with the wrong outcome. So that's just um, clarified that one. Um, there's an extra one you might remember when I talked about the goal line dropout. Um, what happened as part of the goal line dropout wording is that there were a number of scenarios where a goal line dropout was given. There were three very specific ones. Um, but that also left a number of real-life scenarios that when a um, the attacking players took the ball into in-goal and it wasn't one of the original goal line dropout solutions, then there was still a 22 dropout available. Um, it's now been made clear that for all scenarios where an attacking player plays the ball and it's taken into in-goal by an attacking side and is then held up or grounded or otherwise made legally dead by an opponent, so carrying it into touch, that, that touching goal and over the dead ball line, those are all now goal line dropouts. Um, so there should be no confusion now around some of the some of those scenarios being a, a goal line dropout and some being a 22. They're now all a goal line dropout. So that would include something like a charge down by the attack that goes into in goal um, and is then made dead or held up at that point. So that would be a goal line dropout now. So that's now in law 12.12. .12. So a little tweak to that one. Um, the next few uh, amends to law are as a result of um, sort of conversations that happened around the game um, whether it's by match officials or representations from players or specific unions um, so there's a number of them that, that take into effect um, one is around uncontested scrums um, the wording of law before said that when a player had to leave the field that would cause uncontested scrums that's when you had to have a conversation about about whether you needed to replace people front rows and actually what a num in a number of scenarios when that happened the restart at that point was going to be a kick to touch or a penalty or something like that so the law has now been changed to just re it's a really small change um, that it used to say that the referee inquires at the time of the player leaving the area that whether the team can continue with contested scrums that's now been changed to say that when a front row player leaves the playing area um, the referee inquires at the next scrum whether the team can continue with uncontested contested with contested or uncontested scrums so it's just a change to the timing of that conversation there's no change to anything else it's just that when should referees have that conversation it's when you have to have a scrum because it might not be for a number of minutes before you need to have that conversation so um, that one's there um, this is one is a, a real small change but it's important for those of you operating around the world in the sevens competition um, most local competitions um, would have operated on a rolling rolling replacements perspective for sevens but actually when you look in the law book it was actually not allowed to do that because the the um the section of law 334 which gives unions permission to use rolling subs was actually excluded from the sevens variation so that's now gone back in so um, if you are 
operating a sevens competition around the world, you can decide yourself if to use rolling replacements for sevens. That's now in law and legal. Probably most people were doing it anyway, but it, um, it's now been um, put back in as, a, as an option for sevens rather than struck through. Um, the next one is law four, and this is about player clothing. Um, this is an interesting point from a, um, an inclusion perspective, though if you've ever read the law four up to now, there's been a specific section for women. Um, and, and only for women and what we've done now um, is now removed that section um, and moved the elements that were in there into all players um, there was some representation from some parts of the world in, in Asia where where some male players wished to use headscarves for example um, but headscarves were only applicable in the for female players so we've um, world rugby has now changed that so headscarves um, are of a, are okay to wear providing they don't cause a danger to the player um, or, or the opposition I mean, that just opens up a, potentially a new market for, for players who might wear um, religious headwear. Turbans, for example, um, might be um, perfectly safe to do so and are now in law able to do so. The other thing is moving uh, chest pads or breast pads. Um, they now moved into um, all permitted law, but they're only approved and there can only be approved ones for female players. So it's, it's a, just a moving of them. So there is now no, there is now no longer a women-only um, section of law when it comes to permitted clothing. Um, the other things that have been added to that list as that are permitted are player monitoring devices. So we see them all the time. If you look at the, the sort of middle of the people's backs, um, you can often see that the elite game, you can see them wearing them. It was never actually in law, but now um, player monitoring devices are there. Um, and the other one is a slight tweak to the um, uh, law where you were, you were, you've never been allowed to have padded shorts. Um, that's always been the case, but now you're not allowed to have padded leggings. Uh, leggings were, of course, approved last year in 2021 for all players, um, but was never added to um, the padded shorts. So now there's no padded leggings or shorts. Um, now that leggings are available to uh, be worn by anybody. So now if anyone was trying to look at the law and thinking they could get away with padded leggings because it didn't say they weren't allowed, um, they're now not allowed. Um, the other, the next part. Uh, which is a minor amend, but it's just for a point of clarity, really. Um, players on the ground in in goal, a number of times where we've seen a player on the ground without the ball, then putting the ball down, either to score a try or to score a touchdown, so um, making the dead the ball dead in their own in goal line. It was just there were some questions um, around whether a player that player who is on the ground for whatever reason can play that if it was in the normal field of play we'd say of course they're not they're on they're off their feet and out of the game um, but it was never crystal clear whether that um, law 13 um, accounted for players in in goal so now um, that has been made clear so if you are in in goal and you are on the floor you are able to, to touch down a loose ball um, um, uh, going back to in goal law here so law 21 21 10 um, there's a slight confusion there about whether whether a player could knock a ball from an opponent's hand in in goal, um, so to prevent them from scoring a try. The action of knocking a ball from an opponent's hand is actually in knock-on law, so it's crystal clear that you are allowed to do that. But it was never clear if you could always look at the, the in goal law and how does a player prevent a try from being scored. Um, it wasn't in those sort of acceptable um, actions at the point so now that's been added in so it is now clear that if you're an in goal if you're a defender you can knock a ball from the opponent's hands obviously backwards um, because you can't it would become a, it would be a deliberate knock on otherwise so it's but you can attempt to do that 
And the final one we're going to talk about is actually about the line-out, so Law 18. Um, and your knowledge of this area depends on when you started refereeing. So for me, who's been refereeing for a long time, um, you would always play what I'm about to say as a free kick. Actually, um, the way the law book was written in 2018, if you started refereeing after that point, you might have read the law in a different way. So the, the, the scenario here is that the, the hooker throws the ball in um, and the either the defenders or the throwing in team side come into the five meter channel and stop that ball from traveling five meters so again for me um, and just if, if you want to memory there so if you remember back to the scotland um, england six nations game and just after luke cowan dickey was um, yellow carded joe marler throws the ball into um, the next england line out very badly um, by his own admission Alex Dombrandt comes into the five metre channel and collects the ball about three metres away. So um, Ben O'Keefe was the referee, free kicked that on the 15 as anyone pre-2018 would have done. Um, but actually when you looked at the law, um, it was never actually translated in that when the law book was simplified in 2018, um, that wasn't, that sanction wasn't actually there. So it created this sort of um, issue of people who have started refereeing since 2018 to new referees, even at the top level, people like Dan Monega in New Zealand, Carl Dixon um, in England perhaps would have refereed as the current law book said rather than it was intended. And if you remember back then, the, the law simplification process in 2018, where the law book was changed, lots of words were removed, was never intended to change law. And this is one that actually could have changed law depending on how you read it. So... Just to be clear, so law 18.25 now says that if you stop a ball from going five metres, that is now a free kick offence. As Ben O'Keefe refereed it that day, as I would have always have refereed it, as many of you would have refereed it, um, but perhaps if you're a new referee reading the law book fresh, you may not have got to that outcome. Um, it's now entirely consistent with the quick throw law, so 18.6. So if it was a quick throw, it was really clear all the way through that if at a quick throw, um, that no player could prevent that ball from travelling five metres, and that was a free kick offence. So that one's all been taken care of. So that's all. Those are all the minor changes. Whether it's a whether it's the global law trials, which are quite big changes, particularly on the scrum water carriers for some some people on TV rugby, that's a big change. Less so for for most of us in the in the air quotes community game or the non elite game. There's been a bunch of minor law changes and tweaks that doesn't really impact a lot of things but as referees listening to this podcast it's good that we know about those so we can um, just be clear when we're making decisions and um, that that's those decisions are correct in law and that the the sanctions are correct and um, so that those are those ones so hopefully that's been a helpful walkthrough of them um i did say right at the start there was one other element in in law that has changed slightly and it's just actually a, a link to a protocol so the television match official protocol um, has been updated in 2022. Um, so Stu Berry, a uh, former international referee and television match official, has been working um, for World Rugby as a, as a consultant in this area, has, has rewritten the protocol to bring it up to speed with how um, the TMO was actually being used rather than the protocol that was written um, a number of years ago. So on the whole, um, there are no changes to it. There is one minor change to the actual context the actual um, change in how it's applied but for the rest of it um, the protocol now talks about really clearly those live on the run decisions that TMOs have always made they're now written into into the protocol um, 
it covers all the different areas that TMOs are now getting involved in. So whether it's a, a quick touch decision, whether it's a um, the wrong player puts the ball into a scrum where it's clear on the replay, the TMO will often have come and said, um, ref, it's the other way. Um, referee changes his mind. Everyone gets on with it. Nobody really notices. But actually was, was in the past outside of protocol. Um, so all those things. So in theory, um, it's 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 speeding up decision making, not adding extra unnecessary stoppage into play. As ever, we'll always wait and see how that plays out. Um, but the theory is that the protocol now reflects what's been happening for a number of years and, and that the whole game agrees with, um, rather than um, rewriting it to add lots of new things that people get frustrated with. As, um, there was one actual change um, that's been um, come about. It's actually happened a number of times where footage has only come to light of an incident in the lead-up to a try after the conversion. We've all seen sort of... Um, people trying to make take a quick conversion which is always a bit of a clue that they think there may have been something um, has happened by that by that their team in the build-up to the trial but there's a little knock-on at the base of the previous ruck or whether there was just something that was a bit iffy about it um, they all knew that if they took a quick conversion then that was the end of the tmo process and then lo and behold the footage then appears appears so what the protocol now allows formally is that an incident in the run-up to a try can be referred by or to the TMO up to the next restart, so the, the formal restart of play from the halfway line rather than up to the conversion. Um, it happened twice during the Six Nations, um, and that's kind of really pushed that um, issue to the fore, and, and World Rugby have reviewed it, and everyone's agreed that um, for the integrity of the game perspective that that um, is an appropriate um thing to do so um, I think it's already been seen if anyone wa has been watching the um, under 26 or was it the under 26 nation summer series um, in Italy that did happen in a France Ireland game where um, a um, it was identified that there was an incorrect throw in um, from a quick throw that led to a, a try that came to light as the um, as the co conversion happened but they then reviewed it and turned the try and the conversion over um, so it's already happened. Um, it was the right decision to not allow the tribe. It just gives the TMO and the, the broadcast team in the truck a little bit more time to get the um, for those issues to, to come about. So hopefully they're all spotted in good time. They're reviewed if there's a sniff um, of something happening. But otherwise, um, that is the only change, actual change to the TMO protocol. Um, lots of um, other bits I'm sure will... Um, I mean, the TMO protocol always comes up with slight contro controversial issues and there may be um, further amends as, as things go through. But the intention now is that with all those protocols in place, with all those lo global law trials um, operating and with those changes to law, there shouldn't be anything that now needs to be checked or clarified or, or amended in the run-up to a World Cup. Um, and that's the intention of the four-year cycle. So I hope that's been a good walkthrough. Um, it's the, all the detail that was in the... Um, various documents that World Rugby have issued over the last couple of um, weeks. Um, there are um, the, the document I was just reading from is available on the World Rugby website. I'll put the link through and, of course, on rugbyrefree.net as well. Um, so hopefully if you're on your way to a game, um, we've just talked about all those things. Some, some people obviously prefer to, to hear them being talked about uh, and explained that way, and it makes a little bit more sense than having to sort of cross-check the document and the law um, content that's available on the various websites and the law books so 
I um, hope that's been a useful walkthrough. If you have any questions, if something wasn't as clear as I hope it was, um, by all means, let me know. Drop me an email at keith at rugbyreferee.net. And I hope you enjoy refereeing to those laws. Um, World Rugby have said very clearly that um, if there are if there's any feedback on the global law trials, um, they will that feedback will be welcome. So by all means, um, head to World Rugby and um, and let them let them know the feedback or through your own union representations because that's what of course World Rugby is is a global federation of unions. So um, if you've got feedback on them, feed it back either to them directly or through your own union your own referee societies and I'm sure World Rugby again as they did earlier this year will seek feedback from all stakeholders in the game to see how those global law trials um, operate in the next 12 to 18 months. So thanks for listening as ever. Um, I hope you enjoy your rugby, enjoy the uh, new season when it lands. Um, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere some of that's happening sooner rather than later so enjoy, get your head around those law changes um, and enjoy. And with that I'll call Advantage over. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, about this podcast This is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, You can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyrefereenet, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over.